Hi, I'm Lori Ferris from International House at UC Berkeley. I'm so excited to share the first podcast in a series of iHouse Spotlights, where alumni and former executive directors are featured for an oral history conversation about their time at iHouse Berkeley. While the International House might be closed temporarily, these discussions are a way to help keep the alumni community connected virtually. Enjoy the podcast and stay well. I just want to start off with um, brief introductions. So um, my name is Chancellor Makinjola. I'm going to be the host for um, iHouse uh, alumni discussion as well. I'm the social media ambassador, and I, I'm here today with Catherine Anthony. She's an alumna of iHouse. Recently, Catherine was awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Chicago Women in Architecture Foundation. And with this career that spans four decades, you've sort of as a professor in the world of academia and research, and you've also been become an author as well. So yeah, welcome, Catherine. How are you doing? Thank you very much, Chancellor. I'm thrilled to be joining you today. So thank you for that nice introduction. I don't think I need to say anything else. You said it all right there. Thank you. <laughs> I know. Better than I would have said. Thank you yeah. so much. It's great. So where are you um, speaking to us from? Okay. So I'm a professor of architecture at University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, but right now I'm in La Jolla, California, which is where I grew up. So that's where I am. And the photo that's behind me uh, is a photo of uh, the area near the La Jolla Cove. And you see the cliffs behind towards Black's Beach and Torrey Pines Beach. So that's very near where I am right now. And it's a photo that I've taken. So I like to, I like to have some nice virtual backgrounds when I'm on Zoom. A nice chance to showcase some of my favorite photos. And this is one of them. Amazing. Yeah, and I did read that you travel a lot, actually. Like, how many countries have you been to? That's a good question. I think I've been to 25 or 26. I just counted them up recently, actually. So, oh, wow. but I met somebody who was who has been to 79 countries. So, and I have another good friend who's been to over 100 countries. So, I'm, oh I'm not I'm nowhere near some other people that I know. But but 25 is still pretty good. Yes. Yeah. And which one out of all of those is kind of like your favorite? Have you revisited the most? Okay. Yes. Uh, I have been to Greece many many times. Uh, been there 10 times altogether, if I'm not mistaken. And my first visit there was age three. And my last visit there was four years ago. I think that's right. And uh, why I've been there so many times is I'm Greek background. And so we had relatives there. So we were visiting there a lot when I was a little girl. When I was three, six, and nine years of age, we went to Greece to visit my grandmother and my aunts and uncles and my cousins. Uh, and then since then, I've had other trips to Greece. So that's definitely one of my favorites, and especially the Greek islands. Southern California reminds me a little of the Greek islands. It certainly reminded my dad of the Greek islands, and that's why he wanted to settle here. So we have a family home out here, and I spend a lot of time here, too. It's absolutely beautiful. Great. And speaking of international travel, since you guys have um, you've traveled so much over the years, also another place to meet great people is at iHouse from many different cultures and backgrounds. And so you began attending iHouse, or no, no, you, began, you started living at iHouse from what I've read in 1976. So describe your time there and like what were your first impressions upon moving in? My first impressions of iHouse, it's interesting. I knew about it. I'm not sure if I really spent much time there as an undergraduate, but my parents had come to visit mm -hmm. at one point. I don't know if it was when I was graduating or when, but 
anyway, they came to visit and we took a look at iHouse and we went inside the building. We went to the coffee shop. We walked around. And I remember my parents said, oh, wouldn't this be an interesting place for you to live? And at the time I was right in, maybe it was, right? I was right in between or near the end of my undergraduate going to graduate school. I finished in the month of March. So there was some time in between and I, and I moved out of Berkeley during that time. And I moved back uh, down to San Diego. I think I did at that time. Anyway, they mentioned it and I thought, well, I didn't really know if I want to live in a dorm again because I had been in a dorm the first year, you know, when I came to first came to Berkeley and then uh, I had the apartment life and all that. But I thought about it and they said, you know, oh, you'll meet a lot of interesting people. And frankly, I think they might have thought I, I might have met a nice Greek Greek boy there. Who knows? So <laughs> I bet you that was part of the reason. You were hoping, oh, it's international, so there might be some Greek people there you can meet. <laughs> I think, yeah, because I think we may have even met one, like when we were walking around the building and struck up a conversation. We said, oh, wouldn't it be nice for you to meet someone like that? Well, anyway, um, I guess that made me think, well, maybe I don't really want to live in my house because, you know, sometimes something your parents suggest, sometimes you think, nah, I don't think I want to do that. But then the more I thought about it, not because I want to meet a, meet a young Greek man, but because I thought it would be an interesting experience, the more I thought about it over the the time period I had to decide whatever that was spring or early summer I thought you know this could be good rather than just going to an apartment and living with some friends which I had done the year before which is also a nice part of the Berkeley experience but I'm starting new in grad school and I house was a block away from Worcester Hall where I was studying at uh, where I would be studying architecture I had been studying psychology and my main building was Tolman Hall as an undergraduate but I thought well you know and I guess the tiny rooms, I will admit, the tiny rooms kind of turned me off because I thought, uh-oh, can I live in this claustrophobic space? This is not going to be very pleasant. But then when I realized I could request a Bayview room, oh, I could get that nice view back again that I have just up the street, an even better view than I had from the dorm. And then when I realized, okay, there are all these beautiful common areas in the building that you can spend time in, like the library, like the Great Hall, many other spaces, and the beautiful courtyard. Uh, and then I thought, well, maybe I can make that little tiny room feel a little bit better and decorate it in a way that's bright and cheerful. And, you know, and, and again, I was lucky to be able to have a single room as opposed to a double room. So, uh, and then I really thought about what iHouse was all about, most importantly, giving you the self-centered reasons first, but I guess most importantly, from the global perspective, the opportunity to meet people from all over the world, I thought, I'll never have that again in my whole life to have everybody in the same under the same roof to meet people from anywhere and everywhere all across the globe and reading about what so many of the alumni had done. I should say there was no internet at that time. So count me as a dinosaur. Where had I read it in some brochure or whatever they gave out at my house at the time, but who were the famous alumni that had lived there? Jerry Brown, who was our California governor, and I'm not sure exactly when he was in the governor. He, governor, he might have been governor right at that time. But anyway, I knew he was one of the famous alumni uh, and, and many others. And I thought, well, when else would I have in my life a chance to meet people like this? And uh, so I thought, all right, I guess I'm willing to give up the space of an apartment. I could live in an apartment or I could live with friends any other time in my life. But to live in a place like I House, where I could meet these fascinating people from all across the globe, from, from countries I've heard of and wanted to go back to, to places I never heard of, sure. And then also the American students, the fact that half of the building was, at the time, it was about half American students, half international students. I thought, well, 
also be interesting to meet the American students because I don't know who these people would be either, but we'd all have an interest in meeting people from abroad. So clearly we, they would not be parochial types or you know, people who were scared of meeting people from far away. They'd be people who wanted to meet people from, from abroad and get to know them. So, so both sets, the international crowd, the global crowd, and the, and the American crowd would be interesting people to meet. I really didn't know anybody when I moved into the building. This is interesting. Um, I didn't know any of the other residents. So even though I had lived at Berkeley for two years before, my first impressions, like I said, teeny tiny rooms, could I live here? But then realizing what else the building had to offer and all the programs that they had to offer, I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the best of it. And I, and I moved in voluntarily. I was very happy to do it. Uh, I participated soon after I moved in I participated in a retreat that was held at uh, the Lodestar, I believe is what it was, I think that's what it was called, but it was in the mountains kind of by San Jose. Uh, anyway, I don't know if they still go there or not, but it was like a two day thing, you slept over, and I got to meet some nice people, two or three days, I can't even remember, but I met some nice people there who I still am friends with today. So it was a retreat for new residents, and it was a very good thing to do soon they after. They still do that, there. by the way. They still do, okay. Where do they go now? Um, this, uh, this past, because uh, I, I went on the one in January, even though I was, a, I was like a returning resident, but I hadn't gone um, back in when I moved in last year. And so they, they usually go to Point Reyes Beach. Um, oh, nice. or, and there's also like a ranch. Um, I don't know why I'm forgetting the name of it. Um, but there's like a ranch and you go there for like two days. Um, there's like a bonfire that's there. And then afterwards on our, on our last uh, day, we go to the beach, you can take photos and stuff. And then we go on the long trip back, but it, it's still a fun bonding experience for students who kind of haven't gotten the opportunity to get to know each other. But yeah, they still do that. So important. And that's something I remember. And I think anybody who did that remembers that they had the chance to do that. It was just something special. So, so I did meet some friends there at that time and, and it was a good bonding experience. And then, you know, I went about my life, you're asking my first impressions, I went about my life as a new graduate student at the uh, Department of Architecture at the College of Environmental Design at UC Berkeley. So again, prior to that, I had been an undergraduate in psychology. First year of grad school was rough. It was hard for me. And I remember I had a studio course, which I, didn't really want to take, but that's something that every architecture student at the time had to take. I never really wanted to be a practicing architect. I really wanted to be more of an architecture researcher and writer about architecture, but not, not an actual practitioner, even though that's what my students all ended up doing. And I'm, and I'm very proud of that, but that's just nothing that I really wanted to do. But that first quarter in iHouse, I was taking a design studio and it was hard for me. I felt like I was back in third grade. Um, so iHouse was a very nice respite and a very nice counterpart to what I was doing in school at that time. And I did get to make a lot of friends and, and I realized within just days that it was the right place for me. And I was very glad to have made the decision to move there. And as I said, I lived in room 762. And so every time I opened the key, opened that door, and I looked out and I saw the beautiful Bay Area and the Golden Gate Bridge and Treasure Island and Alcatraz and San Francisco skyline and Marin County and the Bay and the Berkeley Marina, I thought I had it made. So that view for me was just, it was just like a vitamin to be able to see it every day as soon as I walked in. And I will just add as an aside, it may come up later, but in case it doesn't, 
uh, when I did go back to visit, the last time I was at iHouse was a year ago. We had a little mini reunion, and it was very, maybe more than mini, it was, a, it was a nice reunion of students who had lived there during that vintage, the time that I was there, 76 to 79, so it was maybe like the late 70s. So we had a reunion last year, it was in the month of March. And uh, as part of the reunion, we got to go through tours of the iHouse in smaller groups. So when I went to what was uh, my floor with a small group of people, of course, I was interested to see, you know, 700 was my room later, 762 was my first room. Well, guess what? The door to 70, 762 opened magically just oh, wow. near the time I was walking by. Maybe I was a little bit down the hall, but I saw this very nice looking tall fellow come out of the room and I, and I asked him right away. I said, oh, is that your room? He said, yes. And he introduced himself and he was from Germany. And I told him, I said, guess what? I'm with this group. And that was my room in such and such a year, whatever, 1976 to 77. And it had that beautiful baby view, and I absolutely loved it. I feel so lucky to be in that room. And he said, would you like to see it? I said, yes. Oh. So he opened the door and I walked inside and I thought, oh yeah. I mean, it just came back to me right like that. Nostalgia same view is right there. <laughs> same view hadn't, hadn't really changed all that much. I mean, some more skyscrapers in San Francisco, but the Berkeley view immediately out the front was probably about the same. And he said, you know, and I asked him, I said, I remember taking a lot of photos out my window. And uh, of course, we didn't have iPhones then. We didn't have digital cameras then. We had the old fashioned camera with film. But he said, you know what? I've done the same thing too. I've been taking photos and videos and everything. And he said, I can't believe I live in this room too. So we exchanged email addresses. We took some pictures together and, uh, and we, we became in touch after that day. So I felt like I hit the jackpot on the tour because I got to not just see my old room from the outside, but actually on the inside and meet somebody from it. Like I say, a very nice student from Germany. Maybe he graduated by now, I'm not sure, but I was, that was one of the highlights to be able to go back in the room. One of the, our former executive director, uh, Joe Lurie, he usually, when he conducts tours of iHouse, he usually also shows iHouse architecture as well. And since you have a background in architecture, um, I also kind of wanted to ask you a question about that. What was your opinion of iHouse? And of course, you, you mentioned like the tiny rooms and stuff. That was a first impression. But aside from that, like um, the dome, the balcony, other places of iHouse, what kind of stood out to you as an architect? My impression of the architecture of iHouse very beautiful building, absolutely beautiful building. Now, when I was there, 76 to 79, it was on the verge of turning 50 years old, and now it's 90, hard to believe. So I actually did my dissertation was all about the International House and the idea of home away from home. So I did research at the time, I don't have it in front of me to give you the correct statistics, but you know it, uh, the history of the iHouse and when it was built and, and what was the idea behind the architecture. But there were a number of international houses that had been built uh, and uh, funded by the Rockefeller Foundation. And this one in particular, the architect uh, wanted very much to connect with the architecture of the Bay Area and the Spanish Moorish style. So, so I love the building, especially the courtyard, I thought was really one of the nicest parts of the building. So it was a private courtyard. You could get together with friends there. The weather was almost always good. Uh, and, and, and sit out at the courtyard. I remember at the time we were there, there were these yellow, not yellow, um, green metal chairs and tables that we sat at. I think they've been improved in the meantime, but, <laughs> but they, were, they were there for a long time. And there was the upper level and then the lower level of the courtyard. But I love that. I love the Great Hall. I just thought it was, you know, it was like 
being in Hearst Castle. It was right. just so beautiful. Uh, and uh, the library was another place that I was struck by. And I did use the library a fair amount too while I was there. Other places like the laundry facility, maybe not so hot. There were some other, there was definitely a front stage and a backstage area to iHouse. So the front stage areas were really beautiful. The backstage, not quite so beautiful, but, um, uh, and the hallways I thought could always use a little bit of improvement. They were so long and, you know, all of that. What, like, in terms of the friends that you made, like, where did they come from? And like, what did you learn from, I guess, their culture or other cultures from residents that you perhaps didn't know before? I'm trying to think early on. I remember Alp Kokoman, who we reconnected very recently on Facebook, but, uh, and he and I later became GRAs at the same time. So I got to know him very well. Then there was another student named Yogi, who was from India, who always wore a very beautiful sari. She became uh, a GRA at the same time. Sadie Salim was from Iran. I think she was also at a GRA the same time that I was. So yeah, uh, I met people from Sweden. I met people from um, Germany. I met people from China. I met people from Italy. Uh, I met people from different parts of the US. I remember meeting Eric Schmidt was one of the first people I met, who is still a very good friend of mine. I think he was at the Lodestar retreat where I was as well. I think I met him right away. Uh, but yeah, I noticed, you could kind of tell people's shoes it was interesting. Like the Europeans had different kind of shoes from the Americans. Like we were all wearing tennis shoes, but a lot of times they wouldn't necessarily be wearing tennis shoes. They would have other shoes that were good for walking around, good walking shoes, but they weren't necessarily tennis shoes. Like Again, sandals? of some sort? Well, sandals, yeah, at the beginning of the school year, and then other, yeah, I mean, just a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit different attire, I noticed, maybe. Um, I would say one of the things I noticed from the international students that I met, obviously, cream of the crop, very well-informed people, so really up on politics. They knew a lot about what was going on in the world, not just in their own country, but they knew what was going on everywhere, it seemed like, uh, and, uh, and I was really struck by that. So, and they were usually very well traveled. So a lot of people had been many other places before they came to iHouse. There were some people who had never been to the US before. They'd never been to California before. And I do remember, again, this isn't maybe asking, answering your exact question, but when I worked at the information desk, that was a very interesting experience because one of, the, one of my favorite parts of the job was greeting people when they very first arrived with the suitcases and all. So they would adjust. And so again, that wasn't my first year. That I think was my second year that I was there, but it was their first moments at iHouse. So they came from across the globe, across the planet, airplane, airport, SFO, probably a bus, Bart, however they came. I don't think too many, I don't think too many arrived by taxi unless they had wealthy parents to pay for it, but usually they would have taken mass transit or however they would have arrived. And so I, I was the first person they saw from my house. So I knew how important a job that was. 
and I was very happy to welcome. I said, oh, welcome. We're so happy to have you here. And where did you come from? And how long was your trip? And are you awake? And all this. And then I would help them get to the, I think then they met the graduate resident advisor who then gave them the key to their room and took them to their room and helped them get settled in. But I was that first person. And then I would see them later and ask them how they were doing, you know, a day or two after that. Uh, I would see them in the dining room, but I was their first point of contact. So I remember, again, maybe not any one specific person when they walked up there, but I remember a lot of people looked really scared, really scared, really tired. And I remember the next year as the GRA, as I was the person to take them to their room, Sometimes they had this look like, uh, I don't know if I can handle this. Or they're in a new place for the first time. So like <laughs> trying to ease their discomfort in a way. I don't know if I can live in such a tiny room. So the same reaction that I had having seen the I house before I decided to move into it and seeing the tiny rooms, a lot of people were seeing it for the very first time. And I think they walked in and like I say, as a GRA, I got to see that part of it. Okay, so like they're, they're just looking at, okay, is this all their room? This is the room? This is the whole room? This is it? And then if somebody moved into a double room and they had like bunk, say they had bunk beds in the same amount of space, that was a bit of an eye opener too. So that was not always the most pleasant thing for them to realize they were going to be stuck in this tiny space. But I think I always would say to them too, we've got some beautiful common areas here in the building. So you'll enjoy spending time in the great hall and the dining room and the library and, and all of this. And the weather's really good. So you can also be outside and we've got the great courtyards. So I think I always tried to make a, make a plug for how nice the common areas were too, when they got into their room and there was a bit of a culture shock there. But, uh, but I will say, uh, I know from having done my research on the I House and, and the, the uh, dissertation, there were a few stories of people who went in their rooms and didn't come out for a while. Uh, there were a couple people, at least one person I think didn't come out for a couple days. I don't know how he ate, what he did, but just, yeah. So I think some people have had second thoughts because they had traveled so far and it was so different from what they expected and they thought, I don't know if I can do this or not. But then usually that apprehension went away very quickly. But but I was attuned to that early on that, that people would feel that, that way. So I felt that it was especially important to welcome them to follow up and see how they were doing when if and when I did see them a few days later. And usually I did. It was the exception to the rule, the person who didn't come out of the room. Yeah. Um, but I will they also started say, to starve, basically that's a reason to come out. <laughs> they had to eat. They had to eat, so they had to come out. Um, but I will say to you, Chancellor, one of the things that I have found after having had that job that's so important, I'm very attuned to the first point of contact, the first person that you meet in a new place and how important that is. Whether it be in person, someone greeting you like there, or over the telephone, which I realize is <coughs> getting to be more and more old fashioned these days, but still sometimes we have to make phone calls or even like this that we're doing on Zoom. But it's so, so, so important and um, I, I, it's important to make a good first impression because people don't forget that. People don't forget that. So anyway, long, another long answer to your question. No, it's totally fine. Another one, a question that I had too was more about the um, dining commons as well, or the dining hall. So what we know, that, uh, what we know as it now, um, it has great food, for example. And I kind of wanted to get your perspective on like, what did you think about the food when you um, came to iHouse as well too? Because you said you were kind of transitioning from an apartment 
to um, iHouse. And I guess one of the great benefits is that meals are included. So you don't have to like cook your own meals. Um, you get to meet people in like the dining hall. So what was that experience like for you? And that was one of the points my parents said to me at the time. They said, you know what? You don't have to spend your time going to the grocery store. You can, you know, your meals will be ready for you. You can concentrate and focus on your studies. And it's true. I, I guess the aspect of living in the apartment <clears throat> with my one roommate that I had, having to go to the grocery store, which wasn't all that close. We had to take the bus all the way down College Avenue to, I don't know, at what was then the Safeway uh, College and where was it? Alcatraz, somewhere like that, maybe not quite as far, but it was, it was straight down, I'm, point, I'm pointing that way. <laughs> anyway, it was, uh, it was to the uh, south of where we were staying. Well, that was not an easy task. I didn't have a car when I was there. <clears throat> Only the very, very last year I was at Berkeley did I have a car, but I never had a car there as an undergraduate student. I don't believe I did. So, so getting groceries was a pain. It wasn't like today where you could just, you know, pick up the phone or pick up the internet and, 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 and fill out your order on a website and, or on an app and everything would be delivered to you. How nice. No, we had to go get them. So the fact that at iHouse that was prepared was very good. I love the food at iHouse. I thought it was excellent. I don't think it was even as a, nearly as elaborate as it is today, or was until a few months ago, uh, with many, you know, all the different choices. And I don't think there were as many vegan options, say, or as many vegetarian options, but there were always vegan and vegetarian residents there. So certainly there was food that they could get. There's no question. And if you wanted to eat healthily, you could eat healthily. If you didn't, there was plenty to eat that wasn't. But it was very tasty cuisine. Um, I, I thought the food was excellent. And uh, yeah, I had, I had no complaints about the food. I thought it was very good. It was very tasty, uh, ample food. I knew from experience to watch out because I had lived in a dorm before. So my first year in, the, in a real dorm was Ida Spall Hall, which was down the street from my house. I had transferred there as a junior and I, and I knew to watch out for those you know freshmen 10 or 12 20 pounds that people would gain. Uh, so I knew to watch it at iHouse so that I wouldn't gain too much weight. So I, I had to be careful how much I had on my plate at one time, but, but it was good. I, I loved the dining room. I loved being able to meet people and eat with people. I thought that was so fun. I mean, I don't think I ever ate alone. I really don't. I always found somebody to eat with. So I made friends really fast. And then Either I sat with them or I sat with somebody new that I thought would be an interesting friend. And sometimes I sat with somebody who purposely was sitting alone, unless they were sitting reading a book. I mean, they didn't have iPhones like this to bury themselves in at the time. That was probably good. Uh, but they, they would sometimes, if they were reading a book and looked like they were studying, I left people alone. But if they were sitting around, you know, looking around the room and kind of maybe feeling sorry for themselves, I don't know. I, I did go up to, to a number of people who were by themselves, strangers, introduced myself and sat with them. Um, no matter who they were, no matter who they were from, so where they were from. And, uh, and so I met a lot of people that way. And I, and I really enjoyed that. I mean, three, three meals a day. So I spent a lot of time in that dining room. In fact, I think, I think one of the things I had a hard time with was, you know, I really did have to study there and I had work to do. So a lot of times I'd be in a really interesting conversation with somebody. And then, of course, we'd each have to leave because we had work to do. So we had to get up and go. But a lot of times you, you hated to, to leave the conversation because it was so interesting. Yeah. And speaking of the dining hall, I, was, I read in like one of your previous interviews with I House, that's also where you met your husband or your, your would soon to be husband at the time through a mutual friend. Can you kind of describe that encounter if you want to elaborate? 
Sure. Well, and the mutual friend was actually my friend Barbara Oberto, who I'm still very good friends with today. She introduced me to, at the dining room, Barry Riccio. Barry was also a graduate student in the same program that she was in. And Barry, when I'm, I'm trying to think when exactly I met him, but the first quarter that Barry was at the I House, he wasn't really living at I House. He just had the, con the contract to eat there. So I don't know as I actually met him when he was a real resident there the first semester, I think, or first quarter, I think I met him when he actually had moved in. Because I think if I had met him and found out where he lived at that time, I think that would have been it. So the reason being, he lived, he ate at iHouse the first quarter, but he moved into iHouse, I think the second quarter, second or third quarter, that he couldn't get in. So where he was living, he was living at this place called the University Hotel, and I don't know if it still exists or not, but it was on University Avenue, west of, Sh west of Shattuck. Well, <clears throat> whatever it was, it was really bad. So he, it was like, he moved to Berkeley from Illinois, where he grew up, and I guess he had come out there with his parents, and as far as I know, he really hadn't found a place to live until he got there. So he didn't know that, you know, you're supposed to reserve your housing months in advance and pay for this and all that. He just showed up at Berkeley. School was starting in September, and that's when he got there, and he starts looking for a place to live. Well, good luck in Berkeley. <laughs> There's nothing left by then. What was left? So iHouse was full. I'm sure he put his name on a waiting list at that time. I'm guessing he did. But all the apartments, everything was full. So he ended up at this university inn. So like I say, I did not know, I'm pretty sure I didn't know him then. Cause if I had, and I found out where he lived, I could say <laughs> that would have been it. <laughs> but it's basically a flop house. So it was not student housing. It was just like where people who were down and out were living. So he said there were drug addicts living there. There were people like yelling and screaming in the middle of the night. There were people on drugs. There were people who were drunk. There were people off the streets and they all had to share the bathrooms, and it was just terrible. So that was where he had his first introduction to Berkeley. He told me his parents were really upset dropping him off there because it was so bad, and his mother cried all the way nonstop back to Illinois from Berkeley, and this was in a car. So that was like a three-day I mean, I shouldn't laugh, but that's why she cried, because it was really bad. Like, do you want to drop your kid off at this dump to go to school at Berkeley? So anyway, he was, must have put himself on the waiting list. When I met him then through Barbara, I'm pretty sure he was already a resident. And I met him in the dining room. And what do I remember the most about him? As I said, I was concerned about how much food I would have on my plate anytime, not wanting to gain the freshman 10 or 20, because I'd already had that happen at a dorm. He'd never lived in a dorm before. His food was piled up on top of his plate like this. It was like a skyscraper on top of his plate, like as much as could possibly fit was on that plate. I don't know what he had, pasta or something, but it was, it was a, like a mountain of food. He ate that, then he went back for more. And I, this guy has a huge appetite. How much could he? And he wasn't fat. He was just a regular sized person, but he certainly had a good appetite. I do remember that. And then what did he end up doing? Sometimes he would come there kind of late and they had a policy at the time, which I'm sure they since got rid of because 
I don't think the public health department would have thought it was a very good idea, but what policy? <laughs> Pardon me? No, I'm, I'm asking like what the policy is too. <laughs> policy was that you couldn't go back for seconds until you had proven that you'd already had first. So yeah, that, that's changed. <laughs> yeah, right. Cause that's kind of gross. And so how could you prove you had first, you had to have a dish that looked like you already had like You'd already eaten the food off the first plate. So what did he do? What was his trick? He would take two dishes and he would, because if he got there late, he would take two plates. And so he would scoop the food off one plate onto the other so that it looked like he ate the whole thing. Then he'd go back and say, oh, I already ate this. So now I'm ready for a second. Like I said, they couldn't do this now at the, <laughs> nobody would do that and stay open. But I do do Pardon me? Did they not have to-go plates? or like um, containers where you could um, take food out? I don't remember that. Maybe they did, but I don't remember that. But even that wouldn't have been too, that wouldn't have been big enough for him. He ate a lot. He had just had a voracious appetite. So that's what I remember meeting him at first was this guy is hungry. <laughs> so, and, uh, and I didn't know right away where he had lived before, but I'm, like I say, I'm pretty sure he had lived in the I house when I met him. And needless to say, after that experience, experience that he had for the first few months at Berkeley. He loved iHouse. He just thought he'd died and gone to heaven to move to a place like iHouse. Yeah. First time in a dorm, first time in a dorm like that, all this delicious food from anywhere and everywhere and meeting people from across the globe. It was a great experience for him. So he really, he really loved it. So he was a very appreciative audience. But that's when I first met Barry. And we became good friends. Uh, we, did, we did a workshop together, I remember, with a woman named Sandra Napel. She ran a workshop on teaching how to teach. We were both TAs at the time. He was a TA in history. I became a TA in architecture. And so she ran these workshops and uh, we were in that class together. So that was a lot of fun. And I, and I just got to know him. We, we, we were really good friends before we ever became boyfriend, girlfriend for, for a long time. So I must have met him, if it wasn't my first term there, maybe it was, I'm trying to think when exactly I met him, but I think I, I met him. it was 1977. Oh, thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> you. Thank, you. thank you for doing my homework for me. <laughs> yes. And again, if it was through my friend Barbara, she really was not there very long. So uh, I think 77. So yeah, we were just good friends most of that time, 77, 78. And then um, 79, I left I House, but then he was in Chicago during the summer and I went to visit him at that time. His dad had passed away a few months before that. I never met his dad, but his mother was in Chicago and he was staying, I guess, with his mother, with some relatives. Yes, yes, with some cousins of his and some family friends. And anyway, um, I went to visit him in Chicago and I'd never been there before. No, I guess I had been there one other time before as a, as a younger person. But, um, but anyway, it was, I think, the trip to Chicago that then we became boyfriend, girlfriend. We realized we were more than just friends. Um, another one of my questions was to just to kind of get a sense of like what iHouse was like during um, your time there. Uh, in terms of the activities that were going on, um, were, were there coffee hours or um, like, you know, you mentioned the retreats too, but did you guys have coffee hours? Did you have um, game nights um, or events in the Great Hall? Like what kind of things did you, did you do there? That's a great question. Okay, good. Yes, we did. There were a lot of activities. And that was one of the things that I also thought was so nice about the place was that the program director was really good. It was a woman named Barbara Lynch at the time. She also passed away a few years ago, but she had quite a following. She, a lot of people just loved her. She was so good. She'd been at the job for many, many years. 
um, the staff at iHouse was excellent and there was very little turnover. They had been there a long, long time. Uh, so she was a, a, an institution within an institution. So what did they have? Yes, coffee hour, 10 o'clock Wednesday night, which for a lot of the Europeans say the people from Spain, you know, hey, night was just getting started around then. In Italy, they're used to being out late at night. Americans, maybe not so much, but students in general, yes, 10 o'clock at night wasn't so late. So 10 o'clock, I don't know what happened. I don't know if a bell rang or what rang or, but anyway, people just opened up their doors and went downstairs to the coffee hour. I think I went to almost every single one. I hardly ever missed them. It was really nice. And what did they have? I think we had maybe a Kauaian punch. There was a, I think a big glass bowl of something red. So it was probably Hawaiian punch and maybe some other things. I've never been a coffee drinker. I was always a tea drinker, but not coffee drinker, but I wouldn't have had the coffee even if it was out there. Uh, but and then they had cookies. So that was the other thing, you'd get cookies. So the cookies were nice and they really were very well attended. So I love the coffee hour. I went to almost every single one. And um, were they themed as well? So like a, uh, students from a different country would kind of like host it or theme. So for example, it would be like a Swedish coffee hour or a Taiwanese coffee hour. Did they have those? That I don't remember. I think if I, I think if they did have that, I would have remembered. I don't know. You'll have or to ask. It's like every like Wednesday night or like you at 10 p.m. It's just like, oh, we're going to go to a coffee hour. I know. Yeah. I mean, that might have been the case and I forgot that, but I don't recall that right off the bat. Okay. I don't recall that right off the bat. I don't remember them being themed, but did they happen regularly? Yes. What was themed was there were certain dinners that were held that were in the auditorium on the other side of the building. Oh. And those were, I think, maybe on Sundays. I know there used, to be those, there used to be those Sunday suppers. So we didn't have regular Sunday suppers when I was there, but there were certain occasional Sunday suppers and they, I believe, were themed from particular countries. So yeah, I think there probably was an Indian one when I went there. There must have been maybe a German one. I'm trying to think which ones, but but I do remember going to those and that was a lot of fun. And, and they would have those in the um, in the auditorium too? Like yeah. you would dress up and go and sit around tables? How, how yeah, it was a real meal. It was a real oh. meal that you got to eat. Yeah, so it's for special occasions. Yes, that's, I do remember that. I'm pretty sure. I hope I'm not making it up. I think I remember that happening when I was there. Double check me on it to make sure. But I remember going to some special events there while I was a student. So I think that's what it was. I'll tell you what also went on there, which was kind of fun. There was an exercise class that went on there. I remember a friend of mine, Olivia, who was in very good shape, very good physical shape, Olivia. And we used to joke, she was like Olivia Newton-John. She ran a, um, she ran a, uh, an exercise class there and I think people I don't know if they had mats or something like that for people to wear but or to to go on to to exercise on but she did that and then uh, she ran it and then another guy named Mark Lutoff so there's like a boy and a girl male and female exercise instructor so we had there were disco dance classes so I attended some disco dance classes I remember learning the steps like this was one of the dance steps and then Anyway. Was it like the boogie? Like how does it? There the BGS or something like that? Night fever, like, night fever, yeah. 
get to go like this and then wow. this and then anyway following the steps everybody learned it it was fun so kind of like years later the macarena became popular but that was our our dance so can you imagine the whole room of the auditorium with everybody doing those steps at the same time mm -hmm. listening to Saturday Night Fever yeah, you know, it was it was it was really fun. So uh, and so so I definitely remember the disco dancing. And then and so those were the classes. And then some of us actually went to real discos in the Bay Area, and that was fun. With those, they'd have those lights that spin around that turn different colors, and you know you'd get this nice glow all over. So I remember doing that with some friends too, but uh, mainly the lessons. Uh, and uh, did I become a great disco dancer? I don't know, but but I had fun doing it. Years later, long after I house, I took swing dancing lessons. I loved big band, not not country swing. I've never liked country music. I kind of not a fan of country music, but big band music I like a lot. So I took swing lessons for a number of years with the students at U of I. I was the oldest one in the class, but but anyway, I, I always enjoyed that. Uh, and then I took tango lessons later on uh, with a good friend of mine who is very much into tango. I took lessons for a few years also there. So I guess I've always liked that aspect of dancing. And then we also had at iHouse, I know this, we had folk dancing. So there's where people were teaching folk dancing from different countries that they came from. And I being of Greek background, I may have led some Greek folk dancing while I'm there. I'm not sure, but, uh, but anyway, I enjoyed that, I know. And then I do know that uh, I must have held a slideshow in I house, not in the big auditorium, but it was in one of the smaller rooms. I think it was one of the Blaisdell rooms, what they called it at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, the not the room. Not that it was a room off to the side. It was a small room, not 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 the one facing the front. It was a small room, but but I remember a slideshow, old fashioned slideshow with a carousel slide projector, <laughs> which you probably have never heard of. Carousel, I, I, one, you have heard, okay. Yeah. Carousel slide projector and carousel trays. Uh, and uh, I remember showing them from Greece and I don't remember exactly what I said during that slideshow, but I must have made an impression on some people because people who saw that seem to still remember that I gave that slideshow. Wow. So, and so it must have been, well, I'm thinking I, I lived in I house 76 to 79. I went to Greece in the summer, I believe of 1977. So probably when I came back in 78, maybe I gave a slideshow of what some of the places I went. And I also went to the former USSR during that summer of 77. And that was a very interesting experience. And I also, so I probably, maybe I showed photos of that too. And then during that trip, while I was there in 1977, and where was I? I think it was in Leningrad at the time, which is now St. Petersburg. I'm pretty sure that's where I was. Was it in Moscow? I think it was in St. Petersburg. I was taking photos, again, old-fashioned camera, whatever I was doing. Um, I was with a group of tourists from Greece. I was certainly not on my own at that time. You couldn't go there on, my, on your own. But whatever I was doing, I was with the group. All of a sudden, I heard my name, Kathy. Kathy, Anthony. I said, who, who is this? And it was a fellow named Rocky Nevin. Rocky had lived at iHouse too, and he was there. And so he spotted me out. Like in the, in the here we were in the middle of the USSR, a country we weren't even supposed to be in without special permission and special passports and visas and all that. Anyway, I was just thrilled to find somebody from my house there. So that was that was fun. I've heard so, of stories happening like that too, where students like you, like they meet at iHouse like one time and they go off on their travels and be like, oh, wait, I, I knew you here from during my time there. So it's like a small world. 
really. Very small world. I ran into, let's see, it would have been the year two, this is way after iHouse, but there is an iHouse connection. So it would have been the year, I think 2001. I was in, uh, I was in London and I was ha traveling with my parents at that time during the summer. And we were at Covent Garden and the place was absolutely packed as it always was. Maybe now it's not crowded, but it always was then. And I think either I spotted them or they spotted me. I think I spotted them out, but Bruce Hayek, H-A-J-E-K, Bruce lived in I House the same, the same time that I lived in I House. And Bruce later became a professor at University of Illinois, where I also became a professor. And now he's in charge of the electrical engineering department there, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, Bruce was there with his wife, Beth, and their two little girls then at that time. And uh, I, anyway, so we had a nice little reunion there at Covent Garden, totally unplanned. That was fun. And they got to meet my parents who had never met them before. That was and really you were both fun. at iHouse. Kind of, or you had both attended iHouse, or what? Exactly. Bruce had lived at iHouse, yes, the same, I'm not sure, all the same years, but definitely overlap there. Yes, yeah. And he had been the boyfriend of one of my very good friends, Colleen, at the time that he had lived there. Wow. Um, and yeah, another, one of the things I kind of want to get get to, because um, since you did mention, like, your Greek background and also um, living at iHouse, too, like, one, one of the things about iHouse is it's not so much about, like, what you're learning from other students, like, or other residents there, but what they're learning from you, too. So I guess, in what ways, aside from the presentation, were you able to share, I guess, your Greek or Greek-American culture with them? That's a good question. Um, I know we had, I seem to remember celebrating Greek Easter with the Greek students. There were just a handful of students from Greece at the time that I lived there, not many, but Greek Easter is a big holiday. Easter is a bigger holiday than Christmas for anybody who's of Greek descent. So I do seem to remember that there was to be an, a picnic for the Greek students for Greek Easter with a big giant lamb. That's part of, that's part of Greek Easter. So I don't know if you saw the film, Big Fat Greek Wedding, but anyway, I am part of it. <laughs> but I seem to remember, I think that year it rained and they were supposed to roast the lamb outside for I don't know how many hours on some spit, but we were supposed I, to- I Yeah. So I don't know where the roasting would have occurred. I wasn't, in, I wasn't involved in the preparation. I was more involved in the eating and the participating of the holiday. But I do seem to remember somehow, and I don't know, somebody, another alum may correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to remember that lamb being rushed into the building in the rain. It was pouring rain, and I think we ended up eating the, eating the lamb inside rather than outside. But, but anyway, but I do remember being involved in a Greek, Easter event there. And like I say, the slideshow, I'm not sure how else my Greek background necessarily came across. I do know a number of the students who were there, I got to meet my parents and my dad was from Greece and my mother's parents were from Greece. So anybody who met my dad remembered my dad. He was just extremely effervescent, magnetic personality. So anybody that I introduced him to that was my friend instantly became his friend and my mom's friend. 
and they met them both and they never forgot it. So I think in that sense, anybody who knew me who had a chance to meet my parents and they came to visit, you know, sometimes while I was there, uh, moving in, moving out, I guess. And, um, and a number of times, I mean, I was there for three years. So they would have come up a number of times while I was there and they would have remembered my parents. So of course, iHouse for this fall is going to be um, closed, unfortunately, due to like COVID-19 safety and everything. And a lot of it is due to the fact that like, you know, iHouse is meant to be a place where people kind of like gather and talk and connect and you won't be able to do that while unfortunately like social distancing and like kind of to prevent the spread. So I kind of wanted to know what is your thoughts on like the news or how did you feel about when you heard about iHouse kind of closing? Well, I got the notice. I had to read it a couple times to make sure I read it right that it was really true. And I think I gasped uh, and I, I think I had tears in my eyes. I just thought, I can't believe this is happening. This is, this, this shows how serious a situation we're in. Maybe more than a lot of other items in the news. I mean, what should I say? It's full every day of bad news. I shouldn't say that, but but it brought it home in a way that that made me, what should I say, it underscored what a historic event this was. And I think for me, especially having done my dissertation about iHouse and knowing that you know the place had been open for so many years straight, and then that one period during World War II where it had housed- U.S. Navy um, soldiers, yeah. Or we go. U.S. Navy vests um, <laughs> at the time. Yeah, who was there exactly? Um, it was the U.S. Navy, so it was from 1943 to 46, um, from, it, when it was turned into Callaghan Hall. So technically, iHouse was never officially, like, closed. It was only for that short period of time when it was, like, rented out to the U.S. Navy and became, like, um, the military residence. Okay, good. So thank you for refreshing my memory. I know it's in my dissertation, which probably is over here on the shelf somewhere, but you have, you have a better knowledge of the history. So that was still, though, three years, right, that students couldn't live there. So, so you, like you say, the building was open, but not used as it had been. So that's a long time, but never really closed. So like I said, so, so knowing that, I mean, I immediately flashed back to that period. I said, wait a minute, wasn't there a time during World War II that it, was, it turned into something else? but closed totally. I just said, ah, oh, this is history in the making. This is, this is really bad. This is really, it's not the end of the world, but it sure felt pretty close when I read that. But that said, I will also tell you this, it was the right thing to do. I didn't question it for a moment because I've been reading up, I'm, I'm up on the news, real news, not fake news. This is a huge, this is, this is serious stuff. And all these schools that are opening dorms and allowing students to live there right now, I understand why they're doing it. There's a lot of students that need to live in dorms. There's a lot of students who can't live elsewhere or in their family home, and they can't go back to places where they would have been otherwise. So I understand the need for it. A place like iHouse that's so huge, was, you know, that had room for 600 students, yeah. and all the communal facilities, and the possibility of outbreaks occurring there, no institution wants to be affiliated with, here's the COVID hotspot forever in their history. No one, no one. And someplace is gonna be, that's gonna happen this fall, I'm afraid, somewhere. But it's not gonna happen at iHouse. So I think they did the right thing. So 
Um, since you are an alum of iHousing, you, you have s said that you've um, been back there to visit several times. Um, also, I found out you, were all, you also had one of your wedding receptions in the iHouse of Patio. What was that experience like and why there as well? Why, why choose iHouse? So our actual wedding took place in La Jolla, California, where I'm from. We were married at a church called St. James by the Sea. Uh, and uh, the reception, the official wedding reception, the, the one that took place right the same day of the wedding, we were married in a Greek Orthodox ceremony, by the way, because that's the religion in which I was raised. We were married in the, in the Episcopal Church because at the time, the Greek church here in San Diego had had a, a split and the parish, there was one parish in San Diego downtown, and there was another parish that was still in the process of being formed, and they didn't yet have a church of their own, but they had the priest who had been at the previous church who was a good family friend. So we wanted to have the wedding with the priest that we knew and the congregation that we knew. So we were able to get married in the church. And I should say my husband was not Greek Orthodox. I'm the one who was raised Greek Orthodox. He wasn't particularly religious himself, but he was raised Catholic. So at that time, yeah, the, the reception at iHouse was a week later. So it was in the courtyard. So there were a lot of friends who maybe couldn't come to the wedding in San Diego or weren't invited. It wasn't a very big wedding. It was maybe like 75 people. I didn't want to have a big wedding. I was kind of embarrassed about being a bride. I didn't have a big bridal outfit. I didn't have a veil. I just had a white dress that I wanted to be able to wear another time and shoes that I wanted to be able to wear another time. The dress I did wear another time, other times, I had a pretty jacket too, but, but the shoes I could never wear another day. They had heels that were, anyway, I think I finally gave them away. They were extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> but, but I, like I said, was not into the typical bride bit, right? I just didn't want to, I was happy to get married, but I was a little, almost like a little embarrassed to be a bride. So I just, I don't know. I just didn't get into the normal things. I didn't have a bridal shower. I didn't do any of that stuff. I didn't have an engagement ring. I just, I kept my own name. I didn't think anything of it. I was happy to be getting married, but I didn't really want all the super duper fanfare. So what we had was just right, I would say. It was just right, I, I liked it a lot. So the wedding in San Diego, the reception in San Diego, and then for the friends and up there at iHouse from friends in the Bay Area, there were quite a few people there. So it was very nice. We had, uh, I guess we had champagne and I don't think it was a real meal. I think it was just like a reception, probably champagne and some, um, and some cookies and things like that, and maybe some nibbles. There, there was a cake. There was a wedding cake, and we cut the cake. That's right, because I do have pictures of that, and I think there are pictures of that on the iHouse site. That you yeah, made. yeah, I do. I, I saw some of them on the slideshow as well. I just, I just want to get your hear your perspective too, some more. <laughs> it was very nice, and I still believe it or not, Chancellor. I still remember my friends and how they looked that day. So it may be forty years ago. But when I think of them, I still remember them that day. And one person I'm especially proud of was a friend of mine named Amar Rana, who was there that day. We were in touch for quite a while. Then we sort of lost touch uh, for several years. And he's been good about getting back in touch. Well, it just so happened that he wrote me something on email. And it was in the middle of this iHouse reunion that we had last year, the year of 2019. And he had not been contacted about this reunion. Again, I was not one of the organizers. So, and people didn't know how to get a hold of him anyway, whatever. But here was this email with his address, and he had just contacted me. I said, Amar, guess what? We're having a little reunion right now, mini reunion. Do you want to come? Uh -huh. And he 
dropped everything and he came and he joined us at that Mexican restaurant or whatever it was, South American restaurant that, that Saturday evening, I think it was. And it was just so fun to see him after so long. And we had a lot of people at that event. It was very nice. So anyway, but like I say, I flashback, Eric Schmidt was there at the wedding reception. Amar was there. Uh, uh, Wendy Schmidt, his wife was there. They were boyfriend, girlfriend at the time. They were at the wedding reception. Uh, Peter Pinsky was there. He later became a professor at uh, Stanford University, had a very successful career there. Yeah. But it was part of my personal history. And of course, Sherry Warwick was there, the director, and a number of the staff from my house was, were invited too. Because I think they were always, they always had a special spot. They were always very pleased when somebody from there became a pair. And there were so many different pairs from iHouse who ended up getting married over the you years. You have a whole webpage dedicated to iHouse couples and iHouse love stories. And because you are also part of iHouse history too. Um, yes. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's such a great thing to be a part of because like you know so many people who also were connected or met like their significant other through iHouse in some way. So exactly. you have photos of that time too. It's just like, wow, that's kind of shows like you're continuing on like the iHouse couple legacy. And lastly, to kind of conclude our interview, um, and thank you so much for having this like, great conversation with me. I learned a lot about iHouse kind of like through you and what it was like to be there in the 70s as well. But also like since so many things have changed currently, you know, given the current times that we're in, I kind of wanted to know just to, as a concluding question, what is your advice or like kind of a message to current residents and recent alum to during this time that you would like to share? Like your class of 2020 who had yeah. to. Or, yeah, or I guess, yeah, recent alums. I'm saying like residents, but there's like recent alums or those who are still part of iHouse in the spirit too, or those who had planned to come. But yeah, if you as an alum kind of have um, okay. a message for them. Which is probably the main thing you wanted from the, from the no, interview. No, 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 I, I wanted to learn so much more. You've, you've taught me so much. <laughs> that was probably the first question, the most important question. No, no, that was always going to be my question. I just wanted to like know in a way. You saved it for last. Yeah. So my message would be make the most of every day. Make it a good day. Create new memories. If there's a good time to be had, go to it. Do it. Enjoy it. Go to it. Take lots of photos. Take lots of videos. You're not going to run out of film like we used to. <laughs> you can never have too many. Enjoy your lives and appreciate the good times that you have. And I would say also, keep your friends that you made there. You never know where they're going to go. And guess what? They never know where you're going to go either. And, and that's not the whole point. That's not the whole point, just if somebody becomes successful or not, or what they end up doing. But they really enrich your lives in so many ways when you make friends from all over the world. So everybody who moved in there would like to have moved in there or did and had to leave all of a sudden like you. Everybody who moved in there I chose to move there, somehow simpatico. You want to meet people. You're not afraid of strangers. You're open to learning what the rest of the world is like, even if you can't get there. So I think people can still do that on their own in different ways. And that's really important. So I think whatever you can do to, to keep that perspective is important. Another message I would have, like I said, enjoy the good times when you have them. It's very important to do that. Um, 
tell your friends that you really like, that you enjoy being around them. Compliment people, give praise, uh, give, um, give compliments. Uh, treat people the way you would like to be treated. Treat them even better. And realize that you don't know what's going to happen in this. They could be losing relatives. Something could happen to people. It's made us all aware of our mortality more so than they would be otherwise. And to me, it's actually drawn me back into what it was like with my husband when he was ill in, in many respects. You have to just enjoy each day. You don't know what's going to happen the next day. And you'll look back on the days later and you'll say, I worried about this. I worried about that. Half the things I worried about never happen. Other things happen that I, that I, uh, that I maybe never worried about but the ones that I was concerned about didn't happen. So you know what? Worrying is no good for anybody. M worrying is, 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 is just unhealthy. Get it out of your head as much as you can. Enjoy the good days when you have them. For the current students, do as well as you possibly can in your studies. Uh, like you, Chancellor, you're gonna become a famous journalist someday, I'm sure. I can see you now, you know, PBS. CNN, whatever, you have your degree from Berkeley, that's gonna be a good thing. I'll say I knew you when. I mean, you have to think big. Think big, think of what you can accomplish. Reach out to role models, reach out to mentors. Uh, uh, nobody's gonna bite, they're only gonna be there to help you. So I think that's very important. Alrighty, well, thank you so much, Catherine esteemed or actually say distinguished professor and also um yeah you're a researcher and author and also most of all an iHouse alumna too and we are so grateful to have you part of the iHouse community and thank you so much for your time and you are very welcome thank you and continue to stay safe where you are thank you same to you stay safe stay healthy the most important all righty we'll talk again I'm sure so yes, thank sir. you so much